Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of this new show. I am your host, Sienna Hunter. In this episode of The Escort Deconstructed, I talk to one of the most well-known and high-profile escorts in Toronto. This young woman in her mid-20s is the embodiment of a stunning girl next door. She is very talented, wise, and of course, drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, Real talk, this guest and topic were not intended to be my first episode. Ideally, I wanted to have the first topic of the week be stigma, but that guest changed their mind. As it turns out, getting individuals involved in the escort industry to share their story is quite the intimidating experience. I want to release the episodes in the chronological order in which they were recorded so that I can improve the podcast in real time or relatively real time. (laughs) I apologize for the growing pains and my missteps throughout this conversation. I'm not quite used to hosting, so just bear with me. I absolutely loved hearing her story, and I am eternally grateful that she was willing to share it with me. And now you. I hope everyone enjoys my conversation with the striking Madison Winter. There's a lot of people who are trying things that they've never tried before. Sex! Why do you think people don't see it as work? I don't know. I think there's just too much stigma. What do you mean we can't just go tell people? The vast uh, complexity of human sexuality. The escort. Deconstructed. Welcome to the podcast, Madison. Thank you for having me. Ah, I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> oh, I've got so many questions. Where to start? Um, I guess we should just start with how did you, most basic question, get into this industry or find out about it, decide to get involved? You know, I actually get that question quite a bit. And, uh, you don't say. You know, it's one of those things that clients love to ask. But um, a funny story. I, uh, so I was wor- working in um, the finance industry before this, as many people know. And uh, I was living alone at the time. And I was also single. And one, I think it was like a Friday night, you know, just being a total homebody, sitting at home, watching a movie. And this movie called Sugar Babies came on. A movie? Yeah, it's called Sugar Babies. Oh, where is it filmed? Oh, God, I couldn't tell you. But the whole narrative of the story is this incredibly negative undertone about how this 17-year-old girl, um, you know, meets another girl and meets all these guys, and she ends up launching into a sugar baby side gig. And uh, Is it a documentary or, like, fiction? No, it's a fiction. Okay. Um, but the funny thing about the movie is that this is the whole very, you know, like, she shouldn't be doing this. Like, does her parents <laughs> know... Uh, <laughs> Like, how dare she? Like, what trouble she could get herself into. Music in the background. And I remember watching this movie, and I would have been 23 or something at the time, and uh, thinking, whoa, I could do that. (laughs) 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 Like, this looks really cool. Um, So I ended up just Googling Toronto Sugar Baby. And I thought, well, you know, for sure this is something that exists in something like New York or some sort of luxurious, faraway destination. But no, there's websites, there's whole community. Um, It it exists right here at home. So I kind of started dabbling in that little line of work. And just as a part-time fun little side hustle extracurricular is usually what i call it exactly some extracurricular activities um i'm an overachiever what can i say (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's so funny the media showed you by accident it did and and, you know it's funny now that i look back and i've watched that movie since and i've and i've seen how negative they've portrayed it you're probably like (laughs) i love it i'm like girl get it like what (laughs) this is amazing but yeah so i dabbled in in sugar babying for a few months and it was from there that um i ended up meeting another individual 
independent escort who said, hey, what are you doing? You know, this is not... Get your life together. Get your shit together. Let me show you the ropes. (laughs) And uh, she kind of... prompted me into agency work no and then later on independent escorting. So you said she was independent though? Did mm-hmm. she start with an agency? That's she why? did, okay. yeah. We actually met through um, kind of a menage a trois situation where no uh, a gentleman that I had met through sugar babying um, oh. had also met her and he decided to bring the two as of us together. As a sugar baby or as an escort? As a sugar baby. Okay. And so the, the three of us got together and we had some wine and we hit it off and we left and and that's kind of how I... You had the discussion that sugar babying is escorting? Basically. <laughs> yeah. She was like, listen, like there's, there's Just a better different way. label. There's a better way of doing this. Let me show you. So That's amazing. Yeah. I hate to tell people this because it is such a cliche, but I was just had extra free time and was watching some classic movies I had never gotten around to and Pretty Woman was one of them. <gasps> And Classic. she's like, 20 bucks, I'll show you around. I'm like, 20 bucks? Like, there's no way. <laughs> Julia Roberts, have you seen but yourself? 20 bucks? Like, <laughs> and so I just Googled what it was in the city that mm-hmm. I was living at at the time. And I'm like, hmm, I'm already such a hoe that this could work out quite well. <laughs> you mean I can get paid for doing this? <laughs> I'm like, what? And I have so much free time right now. Like, that could be really fun. I know. That's funny, though. The media in both mm-hmm. cases, just different ones. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the intended result when they right. produce these movies. No, but, but <laughs> if you tell someone about a topic, people are like instantly curious. It's true. Yeah. And then you relate and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's amazing. But so yeah, did you start an agency or sauna? You started at an agency. How mm-hmm. long did you stay there? Um, it was very quick, actually. I think it was about five or six months. Okay. Um, but it was a great experience to kind of learn the ropes. Um, I, I didn't really have any experience of sex work or escorting or anything of the sort. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know what it looked like, but you know, the agency owners, they were fabulous. I have to admit, I had a very positive experience with them. So they kind of, you know, brought me in and they said, well, here's the clients. Here's how it's going to go down. You're going to meet these gentlemen. They're familiar with the experience. Did they role play with you? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, And, and I was lucky because I met people that were familiar with seeing escorts or seeing companions. Like they, the clients also walked me through. So wow, okay, yeah, yeah I, I guess they do, don't they? I didn't have to be the educator in that particular situation. So the clients were like, "Hey, you're the new girl. Nice to meet you." And I thought at the time God, it was going to so be weird to think about, but it makes total sense. Yeah, I thought it was going to be super scary, and you know, these creepy big dudes were going to walk right. in. And they were going to be gross, and it was absolutely not the case. They you were, don't know what you're preparing yourself for you know, mixed with stereotypes and reality. It's a weird hodgepodge. You know, working for an agency is such a negative um, stereotype, so to speak. And yeah. I had such a lovely experience with it. I met amazing men. I would happily still see these people. Um, they treated me like gold. I had such a great time with them. We, and I loved it. I've heard of people working independently and for an agency. Did mm-hmm. you do that? Did you work independently while you still worked with them or you only worked for the agency? No, I only worked for the agency because at the time I was still working in my nine to five. Oh, right. So okay. I would work, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday. And then um, I would do the odd weekend or, you know, the odd Friday night after work. Basically, was, when you wanted a party, you would just yeah, do it and get know, compensated. I instead. was single. I lived alone. I thought, well, this is going to be a fun, you know, mutually beneficial thing. So That's amazing. It worked out amazing. I mean, obviously, I agree. So (laughs) how long have you been in the industry then with all this? Um, It's been about three years now. Okay. Just three years. What are you going to do for your anniversary? That's a good question, actually. (laughs) I think just passed. I I need to sit down and actually figure out the date. Oh, my God, let's get the cake. I know. Because there's a date when I officially started into sugar babying. Do you know which day that is? I think it's in April. I want to say like end of April. I couldn't even tell you. 2016 or something. 
But uh, but yeah, three years combined in terms of like the sugaring, the um, agency work, and now the independent companionship. So, I mean, initially, did you tell anybody else or did you keep it to yourself or how'd no, that work out? No, I told nobody. Um, <laughs> people started to figure out though. Like my closest girlfriends and my friends and family and all those people eventually started asking questions like, why aren't you at work right now? Why are you at the gym on a Tuesday afternoon? Why are you traveling again? Right. <laughs> um, and I realized I wasn't as good as liars. Why I thought can I was. you afford this? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, I could afford to go for dinner and I was happier. That was actually yeah. the biggest difference that people commented on is I, I, people said that I seemed freer and I seemed happier. Totally agree. Independence is what you get out of yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's self-employment, right? So it just isn't seen mm-hmm. like that. Why do you think people don't see it as work? I don't know. I think there's just too much stigma. I think people think it's this illegitimate side hustle that we do for some pocket change. Isn't a side hustle a side hustle? Like it's still work. Of what it is, yeah. especially if it's legal. It's still work. It's legal. Oh. You know. But uh, but yeah, no. People started to find figure out, and uh, but uh, you did keep it to yourself initially. Initially, for like a few months, and then you like admitted yeah. to it, or people asked you. People started asking me. Okay. They said, "Hey, listen, you know, Maddie, where are you working?" <laughs> what is going on? Where do you go all day? Yeah. And you know, my closest friends, I finally said, listen, like there's this industry. Here's what it was. Let me give you the whole story. Well, and it's kind of exhausting explaining the whole breakdown to people, but I'm so fortunate because, you know, my good friends said, this is amazing. This knowing you and knowing your personality, this is so well suited. And I, I was met with nothing but encouragement. So you know, I'm very fortunate to have that experience. And now all of my friends know, all of my family knows, uh, there's no secrets and it's very, very liberating. Like in a capitalist economy, you're supposed to capitalize on what you're good at. And what if you're just very good at talking to people and discussing life and, and you just happen to be able to be in a privileged <laughs> position to take advantage of it? Like, why wouldn't you? And I was. And, you know, the more more time goes on, the more conclusions I draw back to my finance background is one of the reasons why I really loved that industry is because it was relationship based. My job was to create relationships with my clients and I'd call them every week and I'd say, hey, John. How's the wife? How's the kid? How's oh, the health you're issue? You're just allowed to cross that professional boundary. Now. Exactly. So <laughs> they always say, you know, you want to use these transferable skills, but I found an industry where my transferable skills blended in. So I'm now in an industry where it's exclusively relationship based. Yeah. The versus, only downside is the stigma. That's shame. literally it. So it's the same thing that I was doing at an office at a nine to five gig. It's just now it's over a dinner table and that's it. Right. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. So what's most about working in this industry that you never considered before entering the industry? Sorry, can you repeat the question? What stood out the most about like being an escort that you never thought about? Like now that you're an escort, you're like, oh, this is so clear to me. Is it just the stigma or how like relatable it is to escort compared to your job that you had before? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely so much overlap. Like I said, you know, there's. Um, so much that I didn't realize I already knew and so much that I didn't realize that I was already good at. But I think what stood out the most to me is the amount of administrative work that we have to do. I honestly thought that I'd be whining and dining all week and I'd have all these luxurious experiences and all these sexy suitors. And I honestly spend most of my time behind my computer. (laughs) Right. I do. I'd say at least 60 to 70% of my work is administrative. And that's something that I don't think most civilians (laughs) understand. Because I didn't understand it. And you got to explain yeah. why you call them civilians. Like, where does that lingo come <laughs> from? I think that's something that um, 
the ladies in this business have kind of coined. But uh, I think it's the easiest way to refer to non-sex. Yeah, non-escorts. refer to non-escorts and non-sex workers because you know the sex work sphere is so large. There's dancers and yeah. cam girls and and companions and brothel workers and everything in between and you know civilians or civvy for short i think it's just kind <laughs> yeah, of a, it's kind of a fun cutesy way to refer to your your normal friends yeah you know i mean ideally sex work is normalized but i mean normal <laughs> for now yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean what is your preferred verbiage for escorting do you like escort or a companion sex worker or something else maybe I mean, I use kind of all three interchangeably. Right. I think my ultimate preference is companion. Um, And the reason why I say that is because while I identify with being a sex worker and absolutely am a sex worker without any hesitation of a doubt, I think that it's kind of limiting to to define what we do as just sex related Um, because, you know, there's so many facets that come with running and successful entrepreneurial business. And there's so many facets of human intimacy so I think that it's kind of limiting to say, well, I just do sex when, you know, our clients book us for so many various <clears throat> reasons that include sex and so many other things. I think fundamentally is because people like we are selling the notion of intimacy. And so when mm-hmm. you call that sex work, I want to call literally all advertising and marketing sex work because mm-hmm. they are selling sex mm-hmm. more than we are. Absolutely. In any way. So why is ours sex work? If that is the definition, I mean, we have sex, we do, but there, we also do other things like, yeah, like that's analytics not even part and marketing. Of all bookings. Like it no. does, to, you're just there to be someone's friend. Really? Mm-hmm. Even when I worked for an agency and I saw clients, you know, back to back, um, the sex wasn't actually the, the primary motivating factor for them. It's the feeling hurt mm-hmm. and love. They wanted to come to a place where they could be completely unjudged and they could let their hair down and they could feel comfortable and have a conversation with a young, attractive woman that's going to pay very close attention to them. And, and then they wanted intimacy. They, they wanted human intimacy as well as sex. And from your experience, did they not want to be in the relationships they were in at the moment? Or they just wanted like kind of a supplement? They wanted a supplement. Right. Most of the men that I meet are married and they have no, def- they, sorry, they have no uh, intention of leaving their wives at all. Right. And, you know, it's actually kind of interesting because I prefer married clients. And people ask me this all the time. They say, well, well, why don't you want the single ones? Isn't that easier? And I said, no, the married ones go home happier to their wives. Yeah, it makes their day better. Mm -hmm. You're relieving the stress. It's a version of a massage almost. Absolutely. I think of it as almost like a body care worker. Like a body care worker. I, oh, that's in a weird off. way. Like I get stressed. I go get a massage. I pay a male masseuse yeah. to give me a massage. It feels good. And, and I leave. Don't feeling, stigmatize masseuses. Nope. They don't have to go home ashamed of themselves. I leave feeling whole and relaxed and, and balanced. And I think that's the same feeling that my male clients get when they leave. I do think the world operated like this before <laughs> back, back <laughs> one centuries <point>. ago. <laughs> Cleopatra times. Okay, I don't know how to segue <laughs> into this, but I just think it's so interesting because a lot of the time people assume that escorts have like a troubled past. Mm-hmm. So like, do you want to tell me just something about your childhood so people don't assume that you mm-hmm. were, you know, tossed on the side of the road, <laughs> foraged your own berries and like hunted your own deer oh, and yeah. then like... I'm a savage woman. What can just, I say? It's just the worst. <laughs> you know, I, this question really fascinates me because... Right. I, I spend a lot of my time educating people because I'm so open and honest with what I do. And you can just see it on their face. And sometimes they're brave enough to say it, you know, well, you know, how did you grow up? Like, how are your parents? (laughs) 
<laughs> and I look at them and I go, I don't know, how were yours? <laughs> like, I had this bad day and this good day and then I like grew up. You know? I, that's kind of it. <laughs> like, you know, I'm very fortunate because my parents were very liberal. Like sex wasn't something to be shameful of. Um, how was that birds and bees talk? You know, it just, I don't even remember the actual talk, but you know, I remember finding like lingerie in my mom's bedroom and mm-hmm. it's just, it, you know, no one hid anything, you know, no one was, was ashamed or, uh, there was no stigma. I was allowed to have boyfriends, Oh, but it was a very normal upbringing. And, you know, it's funny cause people automatically assume that to end up in this line of work, you must've had some sort of trauma event or some sort of mental health issue or, uh, dysfunctional family, but the more you think about it, every single family is dysfunctional to some level. Right? Like, who, what if you have mental issues and then you become a janitor? Exactly. Like, what? What then? I I'm with clients who are doctors and lawyers and accountants and bankers, and ninety nine percent of the time they have a dysfunctional family as well. Right. So you find me a normal family, and so nothing <laughs> specifically happened to you. You weren't witness to something no. horrible. No, I just you know what's funny is I, I've always considered myself a very rational person, and <laughs> it's <laughs> when I discovered this line of work, the opportunity cost of not being in this line of work was very present and very aware to me. So it just made the most economical sense to go in this direction than it did to continue in the direction that I was going. I do think it's something. Not, oh, that's being too simplistic, but it is catered more to people that just not have like a high sex drive, but Mm -hmm. people, women in their twenties are more likely to want to than women Mm -hmm. over another decade, maybe just because they're focused on other priorities. Mm -hmm. But I think just this is catered well to personally my age, maybe your age, Mm -hmm. just being in my twenties. I feel maybe when I'm 50, I might, you know, feel Mm -hmm. differently, but it's so catered to who you are Mm -hmm. right now. And I think that's just because of life cycles in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, generally speaking, older people have other priorities like family and, you know, elderly parents and health issues and kids, kids. And there's different facets of your life that are going to take up more of your attention versus if you're in the, you know, 20 to 40 age bracket, you, you possibly have lesser obligations that take up your time. So we're a little bit more free to, to start this new career and have that extra bit of fun. Other people aren't allowed. Absolutely. We've got the freedom to do so. So we may as well. That is part of the jealousy and the hate though, that other people haven't had the chance to, and I get it, but like we should not be hating. We should be trying to join the bandwagon. Yeah. You know what? That's actually pretty nail in the head now that you mention (laughs) it. It's pretty that accurate. That is typically why people insult others. I've never thought of it in that aspect. You're right. Personal insecurities. Hmm. Um, well, now that we know that you're a whole person and you're not a traumatized <laughs> victim, we got that out of the way. Oh, did I not mention uh, yourself? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, might as well tell us what new exciting thing you're doing. Another stereotype is that we do literally nothing else but wait in our bed for that phone call to <laughs> ring. Like somebody please entertain me. Got nothing else to do today. Speaking of which, I got to go. I have a four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you know what? That, yeah, I'm going to go with the public on this one because that stereotype is sometimes valid. And I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but isn't it with anyone? Like, doesn't everyone just sit on their phone today? Is it absolutely this, this line of work can be all consuming because think about it. You're in an industry that's, um, segmented and stigmatized. So you end up associating with other escorts or sex workers and you end up associating with your clients and slowly your, your sphere of perceptions can kind of narrow to include just this line of work. Yeah, totally. And I see that happen again and again and again. So it's very easy to kind of forget yourself and forget your passions and your hobbies and just become all encompassing in this industry. 
So is it just isn't that every industry? It is. Absolutely. I know, you know, we all know the doctor that works 60 hour work weeks and the lawyer that doesn't come home to his wife and kids. Like it's easy to fall into the trap of work and only work. So I think that, you know, that stereotype exists for a reason for any industry. Um, But, you know, for me personally, I'm trying to make a solid effort to have more downtime and to go to the gym because I enjoy it and to read a book because why the hell not? Um, you've like, worked hard for it. You've battled that stigma for well, it. Well, yeah, otherwise you're going to work more. And, you know, that's not a healthy... Have less free time, be stressed in other that's ways. That's it. That's not a healthy obsession in any industry. But right now I've got this little side project where um, I'm trying to teach myself kind of the intricacies of, of day and swing trading. And uh, I'm trying to learn like oh, the cool. technical analysis side of trading. So I've been kind of... Oof, that seems hard. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's hefty, but... <laughs> It's been my I little feel like fun that's a good project. Payoff, though. Good work. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say Spanish or something. I don't know why. I did. I took Spanish lessons as well because no why not, right? <laughs> it's important to have hobbies, I think, in, in any industry that you work in. You have to have hobbies and you have to have interests outside of work. It seems like just all the positives are health related and all the negatives mm-hmm. are stigma related. I think that's it. I really do. Because, you know, every single person that I talk to, um, they're so confused about this industry. And the more I explain it... Confused is the right word. They're all just so confused. confused. So much conflicting information. But the more you educate and the more you explain to people what it actually looks like, the response is almost always, wow, can I do that? Yeah. Almost every time. I think it's just the... I don't want to say fake news, but like just Mm -hmm. the way people portray in the media is different Mm -hmm. than reality. And every real person you talk to is like, that's not what I saw. I don't know where you're getting that from. But it's better TV to make it a bad story. That's why the news is always bad stuff. No one does a news channel of just all the NGOs and charities (laughs) doing well. Here's this guy that helped a woman cross the street today. That's not newsworthy. Of course not. We want the victim. But the thing is, you know, that's not a way to educate the public. Like I said, that original story about sugar babies is huge negative connotation. Oh, have you watched the girlfriend experience? Oh, yeah. Oh Super negative. Oh, my God. Because she starts out with, like, a best friend in the yep. industry. I'm like, as if. I was so alone when I started. Like, who has a <laughs> exactly. best friend showing them everything? You're yeah, alone and right. you're clueless. But, again, very negative. It's a story that's like, oh, she shouldn't be here. Like, there's or drugs and there's her, her law scamming. Office. Yep. Like, because she couldn't, she didn't have to. Theft and, and then she webcams, and like, it's And it's horrible. And that's not the way it goes. People are joining this line of work because they love it. Yeah. I left my career to do this. Word. It's just a bunch of love. We're just spreading the love. Honestly, that's it. That's I my job. I you. You're beautiful. <laughs> You're so sweet. See? Got my hair in a spread top knot. Spread the love. wine. But... <laughs> Okay, can't wait to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. So, you initially chose to remain anonymous, I think mm-hmm. you said, and then now you hide your, now you reveal your identity. Mm-hmm. What made you choose to reveal your identity? That's a loaded question. Um, I think most girls hide their identity, and they do that because of stigma. And it's it's kind of becoming more the norm to be a little bit more transparent online, but um, it's still few and far between. So for me personally. Um, I originally was anonymous because, of course, how do you explain to your parents and your family and friends right. that so I'm it's a, a sex lot. worker? It's a hu- especially if you don't want to commit. Like, you don't know. Absolutely. And, you know, there's the whole idea that images on the Internet stay and, you know, it's, you know, you want to protect your future. But a few things happened to me. The first being that when I joined this industry, um, everybody speaks about this boogeyman of potentially being banned from the United States. And I remember thinking, well, that's not going to happen to me. Like, why would that happen? That seems crazy. 
And then, you know, the more Why research... Why banned from the United States, though? Well, the more research I'd done, I, I, as it turns out, um, the U.S. is the only country that has a law that says if you happen to be in this line of work, you are inadmissible to the country. So On just the grounds of being a worker? Absolutely. So whether you're going to see your mom in San Fran or your sister in L.A., if you happen to be a dancer or, you know, uh, an adult actress or um, a companion, you are inadmissible to the country, whether you're working there or not. Is so, that the same for the citizens of the U.S.? Or it's no. just for... I mean, it's it's illegal in the country itself. Right. But the Department of Homeland Security, who's responsible for There's the border... There's nothing they can do, kind of. No. If they And the thing is, you think, well, they're not going to find me. Like, how do they know? They know. They have a team of individuals in place whose job it is to monitor your Twitter and monitor any other social but media platform. you said you didn't show your face at this point, so how did they know? And that's why I didn't. So... The one of the reasons why I decided to remain anonymous, other than you know stigma with friends and family, is that I thought, well, I don't want this horrible thing happening to me. That's yeah. that's dreadful. And at that it's point, traumatizing. Yeah, and at that point, the only girls that I had heard of that that had happened to were girls that had showed their face. So I thought, well, I'm good. I'm safe. And then one day I was traveling to the U.S. and I was meeting a girlfriend How who was waiting was there. This? this was about a year and three months ago now. Okay. And I was traveling, and I had a friend that was there meeting me, and. Uh, Thankfully, in Canada at uh, Toronto Pearson Airport, you go through U.S. customs on Canadian soil. So I was flying to Washington, meeting my friend, and they stopped me and they said, oh, purpose of the trip. And I said, well, meeting a girlfriend. She's already there. You know, we're going to travel, blah, blah, blah. We were actually working, but uh, <laughs> besides the point. Uh, so they uh, they pulled me aside in secondary uh, screening and they said, well you know, what do you do for work? And I said, I'm a consultant. I am um, self-employed. I own my own business. You actually did work a real job yeah. at the time. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, like in Canada, um, sex work is illegal. You can file yeah, your taxes right. as a sex worker. Yeah. So and we have, yeah. So, um, they at some point knew who I was and they told me that, um, I wouldn't be able to enter the country for the rest of my foreseeable lifetime. Oh, I thought it was like a fixed term of years. Sometimes. I'm not sure why I got the f- foreseeable lifetime line. Um, foreseeable lifetime? Mm-hmm. is That's horrible. I think it's because I argued. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not that girl. Why you got the wrong girl. You? Yeah. Oh, that's so terrible. I denied told it. told you're an undesirable person and let in the country. I mean, Forever. My God. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm thinking, oh, crap, because I'm a big traveler. Like yeah. I, I love to backpack and travel. So there's no layovers. There's no um, anything of the sort. You cannot enter the country. And I think this is a topic that people don't talk about very often because it's such a shameful experience. But the fact of the matter is it's not a criminal record. It's not anything like that. It's just, you know, you cannot enter the U.S. because of that particular law that dates back to, I think, 70s of some sort. For Just for you to just walk into a situation where you're officially banned mm-hmm. as a bad person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very dehumanizing. That is so horrible. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, too, if you actually look into the legalities of it, they consider it a crime of moral turpitude, which is the same as manslaughter Isn't and that just child like molestation. freedom of religion to its core, though? Mm-hmm. Like, it's your choice what you consider your own moral? Not to the U.S. But like you're uh, murdering someone but by escorting? <laughs> I know, right? Oh but back to your original question. Um, the main reason why I decided to remain hidden online was because of that. I wanted protection against that. And then when that happened... You know, the whole experience itself was just, you know, so throttling and dehumanizing that I thought, what is the one way I can take the power back? The only thing people have over escorts is is our identity. We, we worry about this being outed. We worry about, you know, our identity hitting the Internet and all hell breaking loose. But I thought, what happens if I do that to myself? What happens if I out myself? Yeah. 
all of a sudden they have no power over you. You get all the power back. That's it. It's mine. It's my identity is mine to share. So I thought, well, fuck this. Like <laughs> up I go. So I decided to post my face like within the week and you know, my Twitter blew up and everyone started emailing me, congratulating me for being so transparent. That same and day though, when you published it, did you just put your phone away for like a day and you're I like, did. I can't yeah. handle it. I'm just going <laughs> to not look at it for like a full day and then I'll deal with it in 24 <sighs> hours. So just give me a minute. Some of it was super negative. People were like, you're crazy. How could you do this? Like, really? do you know what of you're course. risking? Your of friends, course. your family. And other people said, wow, you're so brave. I admire you. But for me, it was liberating. It was liberating to say, hi, my name is Madison. I am a sex worker. I love what I do. And you can't take that away from me. So it just affected you, you'd say mostly positively. Absolutely. I, I was worried that there was going to be this super negative pushback and clients would no longer see me. But it's been nothing of the sort. It's been about a year and a half now since I decided to show my face. And people still congratulate me on it. They congratulate you. It's, it's actually wonderful. They, they do. They congratulate me. And it's... It's because I think in this line of work, in this industry, in today's day and age, it's so easy to say, well, that business is wrong. You shouldn't be in that business. And it's rare to see someone stand up and say, you know what? No, I friggin' love what I do. And I'm proud of it. And I don't want to hide anymore. You know, a friend recently told me that it's my own fault. I feel stigmatized. <gasps> and I Pardon? agree and disagree, though, because huh. if I allow people to put a stigma on me, I am responsible. But I didn't put the stigma there. Mm-mm. So I agree and disagree. Okay, when you I put it like that. I get where yeah. they were coming yeah. from because if it's like, yeah, I am this, so what? Then the, it takes all that away from them. It does, actually. Because you are. Yeah, it does. But because, it's not my fault yeah. it's there. But I don't, I'm so torn. But like mm-hmm. you're living the, I'm very like proud. <laughs> I wish I was as courageous as you. Thank you. One I mean, day I will. <laughs> you know, over lunch we kind of chatted about this briefly and I said that I recognize that I'm in a very rare position. I don't have children. I don't have a husband. Who yeah, no blackmail material, basically. There's nothing that anyone could do that could negatively impact my life by finding out that I'm a sex worker. And, you know, I decided to think about that a little bit more and realize that I'm in an incredibly privileged position where being out and being transparent and being fully myself only benefits me. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. So you know what? I might as well do it on behalf of the community, on behalf of this. We appreciate your service. Well, no, like on behalf of this world that I love so much, why not? You know, why not be out and open and, and fully proud of what it is that I do? And see, I'm scared to like you know? involve other people I know and have negative consequences for them. And so I feel like selfish doing it. But then isn't it selfish to live on someone else's behalf? Like, oh, I don't know. But that's the hard part, right? Like I, I have friends that are married with children and what if their teachers found out? You know, I don't have those right. those issues. So I, I'm in a position that I should do it. But if you're in a position where, you know, you have all of these negative consequences that could happen, you know, you got to take care of number one first. There's no reason to show your face or be transparent if you don't have to. You trudging through life for other people is never going to work out well. No, you got to take care of yourself. So do your friends and family all know what you do? Yep, they do. And at first... Was that when the border thing happened? Shortly after, actually. Yeah, shortly after. I started showing my face and... um, I was in an article for um, Vice Canada at one point, and it was called Inside the Secret Home Lives of Sex Workers. And uh, they interviewed myself and a bunch of other lovely women, and uh, they happened to use the photo of me as the cover photo. Um, And I found this out the hard way when I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and there I am just, you know, sitting in bed drinking tea. (gasps) Oh, my God, that's me. And and there I am. There's my face, and there's the title of the article, and there's the big loaded term, sex worker. And my family saw it, and they said, oh, my God, like, you're a sex worker? Your family saw it? Mm -hmm. Like, 
Your parents saw it? Um, my older brother saw it and my siblings saw it. And yeah, it was it was messy. And I had some uncomfortable phone calls saying, <gasps> what do you do for work? They they immediately thought I was oh, this the first trafficked. question is, but do you have to, do you, do you, it was side eyes. Do you have to, and do you like, have to have sex do anything them? against my will? No. No, never. Of course not. Right. Like, did way more against my will when I worked at nine to five. Oh my God, amen. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all of my friends, all of my family know. And uh, it was not an easy conversation to have. And I think I'm still educating them, but it's to the point where people are now okay with it. And they've told me that they're proud of me. And I think that that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm proud of you too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lovely position to be in. But like I said, not everyone has that flexibility. So I'm really grateful that I've got such friends and family. So you immediately noticed how different it felt to be honest with them. Obviously, mm-hmm. there was that initial horrible discussion, but them being able to just not have to hound you and having to come up with a <laughs> lie that yeah. in the long term you feel is just way better for your mental health type oh of thing. Night and day. Okay. Night and day. My older brother in particular, I'm very close with. And uh, for about a year, year and a half, it, there's just this constant tension between us and and right you could, after you told him? Or no, before, before okay. leading up till. And um, he'd be like, hey, like, you're traveling again? <laughs> How much vacation time do you really they get? Just, they know that you're lying. They're they know you're lying. Everybody yeah. knows you're lying. Let's be real. And uh, finally, I sat him down. And I said, look, <laughs> I work in the adult industry and I run my own business. That sounds like hardcore cam girl. It does. It <laughs> sounds very kinky, but... Um, I said, I work in this line of work. I'm in the adult industry. I run my own business. I pay my taxes. I do all of my own marketing. I see my clients. I love what I do. And I just kind of hit them with it. <laughs> and, uh, and it was difficult. But now we're at the point where I can say to him, hey, you know, I'm traveling again. Or, hey, I was in Vancouver for work. And he goes, oh, oh okay. <laughs> for work, okay. I mean, yeah, now you can tell the truth. And you've got, like, funny stories to boot. Yeah. God, I love the funny details. You just witnessed so much stuff you wouldn't see otherwise. And it's like, (laughs) you you will not believe what happened. (laughs) And then the stake fell here and this happened. He said this and then my underwear flew. It was crazy. Better than a movie. I don't know how they put up with me. (laughs) How anybody puts up with me either. (laughs) So do you tell everyone you meet in your life? Like if you went to like a party or a bar and people are just like, that's the first question I've noticed everyone asks you. (laughs) What What do do you do? do? What do you do? What do you do? And like some days I'm like, I'm a skydiver. I do this. I got caught in a lie once though saying I did something because they own the company. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Like what, which which partner, which branch do you work for? And I'm like, um, I went to the bathroom and like Googled it. I'm not. Oh, <laughs> my God. You got to be careful with companies. That's yes. I got to come up with something better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, nine times out of ten, I tell them because I'm at the point where I kind of enjoy seeing the shock on their face a little bit. Oh, it feels nice. (laughs) It does. But I mean, I'm on this like weird personal vendetta where I just, I want to educate everybody. I want everybody to know how fabulous and fun this industry is. And you're not a victim. basically. I'm not a victim. And it's this weird personal mission to tell everybody about that. So especially strangers, because you know what? You don't matter to me. And my hairdresser will be like, Hey, like, what are you getting your hair done for? And I'll say, Oh, photo shoot. I'm like, oh, like for you know, what? For a wedding or for something? And I go, no, actually, I'm I'm a self-employed escort, and this is for for promotion, and it's gonna go on my website. Oh, they're pretty excited and like <laughs> scared at the same time. They're terrified. Give them a minute, and they actually kind of like. It. I let it settle for a second, and then then the questions start coming rapid fire. Do you have to? Do you? Do you? Do you, do you what do you? Tell me, what, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so true. Uh, but you know what's funny is the majority of the response is positive. genuine. It's positive and it's genuine curiosity. Oh my God. It's all just this fake news media bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like we all actually support each other. This is the big secret. It's like people are so excited to have a real life escort in their lap and they want to ask you escort. all their deep dark secrets. <laughs> And women, I find in particular, um, nine times out of ten as well, they usually say, oh, I've thought of that. I've thought about doing that. They probably felt like one on Tinder dates sometimes. Absolutely. And so they're kind of like, well, how does it work? Like, how, do, you know, how much money do you make? Or like, <laughs> what's your schedule what look like? I know. <laughs> but they're, they're genuinely curious from a positive place. It's, it, I find personally, I don't get a whole lot of that's disgusting. I mean, if they're thinking it, they're going home and saying it to their husbands. You but, get it sometimes, though. You do. Yeah. But I've gotten just positive curiosity. So I love it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think majority of what I've gotten has been nice too. But I actually get a pretty healthy amount of, I don't think that's healthy for you. You need to stop. You need to get out of this because really? it's not healthy for you. Or I think this is negatively impacting you. Or this is bad because you can't tell your parents because you're lying to people. In that way, I think they're right. Mm. But I get a lot of that's not healthy or you're morally bankrupt. Mm. I've gotten that a a good amount of times. But I'm from a conservative place, Mm. I guess. And what's funny how people think that they're just on this moral high ground. See, the way I explain it is, so you're in a relationship? Okay, great. So you and your partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever... How many times a week do you have sex? Mm-hmm. They might say, oh, two or three times. And I say, mm-hmm. great. What if I have sex that many times too, but just with different people, but we have the same sex life, but mm-hmm. it's just not in the same room. They're like, oh. Oh, it's only two or three like, times. Yeah. I thought you were fucking a thousand times no. a day. So we have the same sex life. It's just <laughs> mine has different masks involved. I do more role play. Yeah. Yeah. And much more fun. It and stumps their brain. It's less stale because it's not with the same person. Oh, I do love the excitement. <laughs> I am an adrenaline junkie. Oh, I, hear you. I think all escorts are adrenaline junkies. Oh, we love it. I love meeting new people and oh, I love, yeah. you know, exploring new things and seeing different sides of myself. I didn't know we're there. It's wonderful. Do you think that escorts have a notion that they won't be respected after they disclose their involvement or taken seriously? 100%. Huh? Why do you think that is? It's like we just said, you know, there's people who think that they know better. And there's people that think that, you know, they're on this moral high ground against you. And But what's to not be taken seriously? People aren't educated. They don't understand what sex work entails. They, I, I honestly believe, this is going to sound super vulgar for a minute, but I honestly believe that when I tell people I'm an escort, they picture me in some sort of seedy bathroom with drugs everywhere and there's like a glory hole in the stall. And your pimp behind you. And my pimp's behind me mm-hmm. with his arms crossed and there's just or man after man after man. maybe you're in a straight jacket because you can't move. Oh yeah, and I hate <laughs> it and I'm crying and I need to take more drugs to get through it. And <gasps> oh unless, you know, obviously like, I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, traffic to people do exist. But there are levels, yeah. But consensual sex work is not the same thing from traffic as survival sex work or trafficked people it's not at all it's not and the thing is i think the general public has gotten that confused and they don't understand that there is a difference between and even the people that think um that it's consensual they don't think you're really consenting they think that you're there because you have no other option and there's no other line of work that you well, could possibly like do. For that night because you're bored and you want fun. But even then you pick the fun option instead of staying <sighs> home bored, didn't you? I know. And, and I think there's a sad misconception that you can't do anything else. And you have no other transferable skills. And so people that have had nine to five jobs like you are the best proof. I'm not proving it because I hadn't you know, been enslaved, as I call it, for a little while. I wish I, I wish I left earlier. No, I really you, do. You 
prove it even more. Do you worry, though? Do you want to go back into an office, and do you worry that you showed your face so people won't take you seriously? Is that a thing that crosses your mind? I think, I mean, it's not my goal to go back to an office, but if I did, absolutely. If people found out, they would not take me seriously. Well, you're smart. You know your mind might change in a decade. It might. I mean, I might go back. I might start some other business. I might use the skills that I've learned in sex work to launch some other side business. Or I see you as a business owner for yourself. For you. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> but no, absolutely. Like We can't kid ourselves in thinking that the world is all roses and stigma doesn't mm-hmm. exist. If we go back to work in whatever form that work might take, stigma is going to be there. People will not take you seriously. Isn't it going to magically disappear because of this podcast? I hope so. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> yep, but also, yeah, that's what I was going to say is that I think that projects like this and I think that articles like what Vice does and I think that with more women showing their face and being vocal in any way that they can. Those I, taglines, though, they still just get me. I think this, it's going to change. Yeah. I think in 10 years, it's going to change. I think you're going to say to someone, I'm a sex worker and they're going to say that is no different than being a masseuse. Where do you work? That's just going to be the, like, where do you work? Oh, cool. So what do you Usually. It's not even going to be a, oh, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. I don't mind being part of the revolution, though. I will take the stigma onto my shoulders. It is a revolution. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. I never thought of that. Oh, it's definitely like a sexual liberation movement we're going mm-hmm. through again now with finally not being heterosexuals being accepted. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just Pride Parade. That was mm-hmm. like, like I Yesterday. feel the good vibes walking <laughs> down any street. Like it was beautiful. People are happy. Yeah, it's like the best vibes ever. People are happy. That's the difference. Um, so now that you show your face, when you walk around Toronto, mm-hmm. like, do people ever come up to you and like say, oh, hey, there's Madison. Oh, oh hi, gosh. Madison. Do they fangirl with you? You know, not men, thankfully. <laughs> really? <laughs> not men. But sometimes I get a look and I can't tell. This morning, actually, I was walking to the gym and there was this, uh, older gentleman sitting on the, uh, bus stop, um, vestibule and he looked at me, waved at me and I thought, oh shit. Like at you, did you like turn around to see? Oh, like we we locked eyes, okay. and he waved at me, and I for a split second, I'm like you know hair in a ponytail. I'm like gross. I just rolled out of bed. <laughs> I'm thinking, is he waving because I'm a twenty something blonde walking by him, or is he waving because he knows? God, it's such a unique situation to be in. And I'm thinking, oh my god, Madison, you should have put on some damn mascara this morning. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> But no, thankfully, men I have been good so far with respecting privacy because I'm very transparent online. I, I say regularly that if you do see me outside, I hope that you are respectful and, you know, you you consider my boundaries and you don't come up to me because I would know, do the same type of thing. Like if you see your daughter in public, I think you're not supposed to say hi to no, them and they're not supposed to say hi to a you. A curt nod would be acceptable. Yeah. A little wave is acceptable. But, you know, I have to remember that there's you know, 30,000 people online that follow pictures of my face. So it's easy that people recognize me that I don't recognize them. I think that if it's someone that I know, like another girl in the business and we know each other or a regular client of mine, I'm happy to say hello. That's totally acceptable. I mean, that's just like normal. If you know someone, you'll give them a wave anyway. I'll give them a wave. I'm probably not going to go for lunch because I sell my time, but I'm also going to wave and say, hello, how are you? Have a good day, you know, but it's the people that I don't know that I can see that that's a little bit um, so just comfort creepy. level wise you'd say you'd rather people didn't come up to you mm-hmm. just as like an instructional guide please mm-hmm. don't no because it's scary a little bit well, sometimes. and how do they know that you know 
I don't have a husband or children. How do they know? Yeah. What if yeah. I am with my fan, my friend that doesn't know what I do? So you might as you might as well err on the side of caution. Not everyone is as open as I am, and there's you might go up to another companion, and she could be with her mother who doesn't know what she does. Yeah. That's so you're so putting true. her in an awkward situation. So you might as well just err on the safe side and respect people's boundaries. Just respect people's boundaries, everyone. Just I know, right? Start there. One on one. So um, speaking of respecting boundaries, do you, cause all escorts get trolled online. I mean, I think we all know that mm. we all get the hate misogynistic emails. <laughs> do you, did you get more once you showed your identity or was it the same level of misogyny? <laughs> you know, it's so sad. I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> oh, good times. I'm sorry. I laughed to keep from crying. I know. Right. <laughs> it, you know, I actually don't get a whole lot of emails. I don't get a whole lot of hate mail, but um, we live in a day and age where there are review boards and yeah. each city has their own dedicated review board. And I have noticed that especially since I started showing my face, um, the appearance of my face and other parts of my body have been up for a very lengthy and lewd dialogue online. And that's really interesting to watch because, Did you read it? Oh, of course I read it. I read it and then I bawled my eyes out as any other good human would do. But you know, I feel like you could replace your name with anyone else's and it's not about 100%, you. It's not about me. Yeah. But, you know, they'll say mean things. They they say that I'm not worth it and that I have a butter face and I'm ugly. And a I'm butter s- face? A but- that was my favorite What does comment. that even mean? Oh, my God. I actually love this line. It means, like, everything's hot about you, butter face. Oh. <laughs> so you're a butter face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually super comical, but... <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. I'm never going to say it to anyone because it's uh, horrible. So someone wrote this about me online and I was just having a really rough day at the time and I was like, oh, not me, like what? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, they're going to do that about everybody. It's just one of the things that I had to get comfortable with and buck up with is saying, okay, if I'm going to put my full appearance out there online. I'm going to have to get a thick skin and take some criticism. Well, how did you learn how to get the thick skin? Can you give me the pill? Like, what is it? Good girlfriends. Good girlfriends. I have to call up a girlfriend. Inner circle. I have to call up a friend and say, get your ass over here with a bottle of wine. I've got the chocolate. Please come right now. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that I've got such a good, small network of women. Support systems make a difference. I've had to call my girlfriends after reading reviews like this and say, please get your ass over here and hold me. Cause I'm devastated by reading this. Is it just insults or do you actually like have to worry about your privacy because you showed your face? Like do people ever show up at like your house type of thing or try to stalk you because you showed your identity because this will happen anyways. But since you showed your identity type of thing, that was one of the main concerns I had when showing my identity. Um, I was super concerned that someone was going to see me on the street. I live on a very busy street in Toronto. Um, they were going to follow me home uh, they'd recognize my dogs, whatever, and figure out where I lived and show up one day and demand to see me or something of the sort. You know what? It's never happened. Really? Nope. I've been in the business three years. No one has ever done that. No client has ever shown up unannounced. No one has ever followed me. I've never felt unsafe. Do you think that's a Canadian thing or just a luck thing? That's actually a good question. Um, it could be both. Yeah. It, it, my experience might not be the same as other women's experiences, but... I've been very fortunate that no one has ever made me feel unsafe. No one has ever crossed that line. You know, I don't think I've ever come into the unsafe thing either. Yeah. But I think, have you ever had a client like accident, not, it's not accidentally, is it, but get aggressive with you? Mm. 
They might have, but you might you steer the conversation into like a joke or something else until you can leave. And so if you don't aggress back, sometimes you can like joke your way out of it. And so I feel like I've never been in an actual aggressive situation mm-hmm. because you could just leave it if it's turning mm-hmm. bad type of thing. I don't think I've ever been in an aggressive situation. I've been in situations where it's clear that the client has no interest in getting to know me mm-hmm. and they're there for one reason, one reason only. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean... I wouldn't say that's aggressive. I would say it's more pushy. Um, yeah. But even then, I'm I'm pushy back. I say, no, no. Like, we're going to sit. We're going to chat. Like, I'm a human being. Oh, the like, whole obedience to authority thing now. Like, when did you learn you could say no back? Like, oh, God. For women especially, it takes us so long to that learn that you are allowed time. to say no. Mm-hmm. I was very submissive when I first started. I thought... He ran the show. It was his booking. He got to do whatever he wanted. It took me a good year, two years, maybe at most, until like I finally said. The client told you how this was going to work. They never explicitly stated, right. but in the body language, you could tell. They'd walk in the door and they'd be like, here's what we're going to do. And it wasn't until, yeah, two years went by that I said, you know what? No, we're in my space. This is my booking. I'm the professional. You hired me. Here's what we're going to do. Do you think men can sense that and like, sorry, clients can sense mm-hmm. that and like it better? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I find they're happier when I take charge. The ones, the clients you want anyways. Yep. They like it because the most of the men that I meet are very nervous. Uh, totally. Nowadays. Anyway, totally. they're very nervous. So when I say, hey, sit your ass down on that couch, we're going to have a glass of wine and we're going to talk about our childhoods. And, you know, we break the ice, we chat, we cuddle, you know, things progress. People mostly don't know what to expect when they see an escort and they just mm-hmm. have this movie picture in their mind. They get there and they're like, Ugh, what do I do? They it's picture porn. They think they're going to walk in and I'm going to be salivating over them. And right. they don't realize that women don't usually work that way. We need an emotional stimulation first. I need first. to talk to you first. Like, who are you? Yeah, I do. Who I need I need the emotional banter and that gets me, you know, more comfortable. Oh, yeah. Saviosexual is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do when you were eight? Oh, what'd you learn yesterday? <laughs> what'd you read in that book? Oh my God. It's funny. Some of my clients actually uh, divulge a lot about their marriage. They'll sit oh down. Oh my God, yes. And I love this. They're like, oh so yeah, we've been married X years and this is how our sex life goes. And for whatever reason, that accomplishes the same thing as talking about anything else from work to children to anything. Like it makes me feel closer to him. It humanizes them mm-hmm. and it's hot. Exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. I like to know that you don't like this and think this is sexy. That makes yep. me like this part of your personality. And then you just yes. go from there. Absolutely. And now I'm more attracted to you because I see you as a real person. Right. Mm-hmm. Being a real person is sexy, people. That's all that's missing. <laughs> just be a real Tell person. Tell me all of your problems. Uh, so yeah, what <laughs> advice would you give to people, women or men, escorts, considering showing their identity that haven't really made up their mind? You know, I think it's something you really have to think about. Um, For how long? Like a month, a month and a day? Oh God, no, Three way weeks? longer. I don't think it ever ends. It doesn't end. There's no predetermined period. I think that you really have to think about your specific situation and what are the risks of being outed? Are you going to lose your home? Are you going to lose your marriage? Are you going to lose your family relationships? What are your risks? Because they're different from everyone else's risks. And I think there's this new hot and sexy trend to show your face online. And it seems like everyone's doing it right now. It's the liberation. Oh, I love it. I'm super for this. But you have to be very, very sure that it's something that you're comfortable with because you can't undo it. In a way that you won't know until you do it. Mm -hmm. It's true. But I mean, practice run with your friends and then just don't do it publicly. Maybe you have to figure out if you're comfortable being recognized on the street and if you're comfortable going into whatever career you may or may not have after this with 
that stigma or that um, idea that you used to be in this industry carried forward. You have to be okay with that. You know, I know that, folks, I know the dirty little secret. Everyone almost, almost out there has sex. (laughs) They do. They actually have it just like I have, and I know the dirty little secret. So what are we doing right now? (laughs) (laughs) What is the stigma? I don't understand. I I don't understand it either. I really (laughs) don't. It's so silly. I do think in the next few years, things are going to change. They're going to continue changing. Ideally, but we are on the most liberal part of the bandwagon. (laughs) I know. I have to forget, or sorry, I have to remind myself that uh, not everyone's in the same boat. So yeah, any direct consequences of showing your identity? I mean, personal. I'm allowed to say. It's it's very hard to rent, for example, in Toronto without working like a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Is there any other consequences kind of like that that happened as a result of showing your identity? Like anything specifically that got taken away from you apart from your travel to the States, rights? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Thank God for that. No. I, you know, I keep waiting for something bad to happen. I think that's healthy, actually. But no, I, I keep waiting for the stalker to pop up or, you know, to be evicted or it, nothing has happened. It's it's really positively surprising. The people with the pitchforks and fire. They, keep, they haven't found me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're looking for me, but they, they haven't figured it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. It, they're it's, too busy trying to start their own. It's so true. But uh, <laughs> no, nothing awful has happened yet. <laughs> In fact, things have only improved. You know, I find, you know, people reach out to me more saying, oh, my God, I, I love that I can see your eyes. And I love that I can see the expression on your face. And that's why I'm reaching out oh, to you. eyes is like all of the personality. Mm-hmm. I find that I'm more free in my creative content and what I can produce. I feel more liberated in photo shoots and um, taking photos. And I feel more free in sharing content online because I don't have that fear of someone recognizing me you're like swaying me right now it's unhealthy and and here's the thing is that's why i say there's this very sexy idea of of liberation and i don't want to confuse people in saying that there are it's right for everyone it's not because that's the thing is there are risks it's just what risks apply to you what has your unfair life been dealt with (laughs) you it's it's really a personal decision so when thinking about that like considering feminism and solidarity Mm -hmm. do you think we should all be showing our faces because we are all feminists i know people hate that but equal Mm -hmm. men women equal everyone is what feminism actual means yeah actually means do you think we should all be showing our faces to show that we support it? Like, how could you support being an escort without showing your face? Because that is the ultimate, I support this industry. How could you do that without actually showing your face? How could you show the same level? I think being educated about this line of work is a really good starting place. Buying and all the literature? Not necessarily. Talking to people. I think, you know, socializing and mingling and networking. And I think educating yourself about the industry that you exist in is a very good place to start because whether or not you're comfortable telling the world what you do, perhaps there's a few people in your social circle that you're comfortable saying, this is my job and this is how the sphere of the industry itself operates. You know, like you might not be able to completely out yourself online and, you know, show your full identity and and go to town in that sense. But you might be able to take that one person in your life and say, I'm an escort. And here's how escorting works. That is kind of a good little way just to test to see how mm-hmm. it might happen. But you also have to trust those people because some people do get spiteful and then... Mm-hmm. 
And here's the thing, even that might not be for everybody. Right. It's there's no personal obligation to support this it is revolution, the, it is so to the speak. Weird <laughs> jointness of working and your sex life. And people mm. do like to keep their sex lives private. And it's the yep. weird yep. they're stuck together somehow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a very good way of putting it. Do you think that you've got more clients as a result of showing your face? Yeah, you know, I, I, I do actually. I don't that's not something that occurred to me that would happen because when I started showing my face, it wasn't about getting more you business. I expected the world to end. I did. Yeah. I right, thought I everyone was going to find totally out. I thought my it. landlord was going to evict me. I thought I'd be banned from every country, <laughs> but partially true, partially true actually. <laughs> but, uh, I was in, I was in this weird personal space where I thought I'm going to take the power back and I'm doing this for me and nobody else for me. Um, nothing else for me rather, but, uh, um, you did get more clients. I got more clients and, I'm really surprised that that happened, but I still continue to this day to get emails saying, you know, I followed you before. I remember you showing your face. I remember that big reveal. And to me, it wasn't a huge moment, but to other people it was. So. They were probably wondering how that would ever pan out if you ever did. And then you actually did. And they were like, no way. I didn't think yeah, ever do people it. People got excited about it. And, you know, I get a lot of emails from clients saying, this is why I'm emailing you is because I followed your journey. So to you speak. You made yourself relatable in some weird way. Uh, somehow. Yeah. They, they can't relate because they're not escorts, but they still related to you somehow. Well, that was a fun side effect that I didn't realize was going to happen is I had this more of a human experience online. And it, I think myself and my brand almost became more relatable to people. And I think so. Cause you're Canada's yeah. girl next door, right? I love that tagline. I really do. <laughs> I it, like it, it too. It's, it's fun. I think it's very appropriate. We require ID from clients mm -hmm. or I say LinkedIn or ID or company website or mm -hmm. a companion reference or people usually get two actually. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's hypocritical that we don't provide our IDs, but we ask our clients like, why do you think that's important? I think it's not hypocritical because we're in a completely different situation as they are. You know, you're coming over to my personal space. What or if it's my their home. hotel? How do I answer this in a delicately way? Right. Um, here's the thing. In terms of a safety perspective, the real risks involved to the client is that I'm going to rob you or I'm not going to like you or I'm going to laugh at you. It's really not that bad. That's not that bad. My real risks is that I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get stabbed. I'm going to get beaten up. I might die. And, you know, when you break it down, um, two people alone in a room, you've got a very tangible size difference. Yeah. Um, there's a huge safety risk, but the safety risk falls on the female. So I think that asking for personal information in lieu of, you know, provider references. I think that's not particularly unfair. So have you had clients not want to give their information before? Oh, absolutely. What do they claim as the reason for that? Oh, they say the same thing. Well, I don't have your real information. I th a lot of them also say you're going to blackmail me or mm -hmm. ruin my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the being professional comes in. I think that's really sad because, you know, obviously that fear is... Um, rooted in something tangible like perhaps that that's happened to them which or makes yeah, me sad maybe and maybe media who knows but obviously that fear exists for a reason which makes me feel really bad for them but at the end of the day we're running a business and i have nothing but my reputation to go off of yeah and clearly i've been in this business for several years and there's a, a very large online following and there's 
other people that will vouch for me and, you know, there may or may not be reviews to vouch for my legitimacy. I don't have anything for you. How many times have you blackmailed someone? <laughs> Ooh, this week? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's never occurred to me. What? <laughs> It's never occurred Stop to me. Stop it. I know you did last week. Mm. See, Damn, we don't get it. any credit for the years of nothing happening, and mm. we still get heckled mm-hmm. for asking for the information. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I, you can see I've existed since 2016 on mm-hmm. Twitter. Mm-hmm. The fact that I still mm-hmm. exist shows you there is no risk, sir. Exactly. <laughs> I know. And I wish it could be that easy. It's all just sitting there, and I'm like, I don't. Like, this is why. I wish it could be that easy. But at the end of the day, they have to understand that, you know, we're sharing our time, but we're sharing our bodies with you. And you pose more of a risk to me than I pose to you. So Unfortunately, yes. Asking for personal information is an act of trust. And I think that if you give me that information, it's not so I can hold it over your head and blackmail you. It's so that... You're saying, I trust you with my information. Therefore, I'm going to trust you with my body and my life. It's a great place to start. It's a turn on when someone just gives you all their information. It really is. It's like, oh, (laughs) damn. I didn't have to ask you again. In your experience, though, do most clients, um, are they on board with just giving their information or they don't want to? Like on average, do people typically just give it to you or do they typically put up a fight? You know what? Lately, it's been very good. I meet with a very small selective group of people. And the people that I do meet with are the ones that just say, here you go. What else do you need? I've got more for you if you want it. Oh. And those are the guys that I'm like, you're a a winner. I want to meet you. I like you already. The ones that give you any sort of resistance, even the slightest bit of hesitation. um, It's usually a time waste. It's a time waste. And I'm immediately disinterested. I maybe might meet with them if it's a slow week or... Right. But I, I'm no longer excited to meet you. And that's when I think things change. So it's, It is like a respect level in a weird mm-hmm. way. It's I like, I respect you enough to trust you. Mm-hmm. Why would you trust a stranger? Like, I get it. But mm-hmm. if we've been present and we are professionals, it's your whole business reputation mm-hmm. right there. So what would you, what advice would you give to people or new potential clients out there that are worried about giving their information because they haven't ever been in the industry before or hired someone and they are just scared because they haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. And what if they do give it to someone that's not a professional? Like how do you kind of go about hiring someone Mm -hmm. and giving them your information in a safe way? Do you have any advice? I mean, I think for clients, you know, you have to do your homework. For new clients. For new clients, you have to do your homework. I mean... The thing is, this industry is so vast and there's so many different kinds of people operating in it. I think that if you find somebody that's clearly been around for a little bit or that has a professional website or is corresponding in a professional way, I think you're going to have to trust your gut at that point. Um, Clearly, this person is not out to get you and you're going to have to just you're going to have to take a leap. And, you know, I always say to my clients that are a little bit hesitant, I say, well, you know, this is my insurance policy. You know, if you give me your your first and last name and you come over to my house and you whip a knife out and I live to tell about it, first of all, I can now go to the police and say, hey, John Smith did it. Right. Versus the the um, ID is my insurance policy to say, I have your your information. I hope you don't pull anything stupid. Yeah, totally. Right. It, it deters the people that are looking for trouble. So uh, were you always on Twitter? You said you use review boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your preferred method, though? Like, if, if new clients are trying to seek out someone, what would you say is, like, a safe place? Just on average, obviously, it's never a guarantee. But to find someone. Honestly, I think Twitter is still the best bet. I mean... Yeah, it's 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 definitely got 
the the hookup without getting banned easily, but you do get shadow banned, but not yeah. ban banned. Yeah, and I think that uh, review boards and advertising platforms, they're always going to come and go. They're just um, kind of fake. Like, you never know if it's real. You don't know. I mean, even if you do know if it's real, you don't know if it's going to be around a year from now. You don't know if it's going to be sold to another owner. That's true. You don't know if... Um, you know, your information is going to end up in the wrong hands versus with Twitter, you can see that you're reaching out to an individual person and no one else has your information, but me, you can see how recently they post, well, you can see different angles. And it's not just an ad. There's not yeah. just, hi, here's my phone number and my photos. You can see what I'm eating for dinner. You can see pictures of my dogs. You can see stupid, silly selfies that I probably shouldn't post, but <laughs> it's a lot more human than just a name and a photo and an ad. It's more safe too. It's safe. It's human. It's relatable. It's um, a bit of a sense of who you're meeting before you meet that person. And I think that that's probably the best way to market ourselves right now. And also I, verify, like send a, something to their DM and their Twitter email and see yeah. if she can respond on both. Absolutely. And then it's like, oh, this is at least this person I'm talking to. Yeah. And it's a fun way to kind of keep in contact with your clients too. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy they the banter. They do follow up and like to see what mm-hmm. you're doing. And the banter back and forth. They're commenting on your photos and I see that it's you and I know that it's you. So it's fun. It's this fun little back and forth flirtation if you will but without actually being in a relationship exactly well how about you yeah describe who a typical client is like what kind of person is a client i think it depends um on the type of provider you are and i think every girl is going to be different or every provider rather should be different um do you think there's a certain way people see clients versus how they actually are yes and no but i also think that personality types draw in different personality types I had a friend once who was very artsy, uh, very much the creative type. She painted and drew, and she got clients that were also very artsy and very shy and introverted. That's very cool. And somehow her personality translated online, and the type of clients that were similar to her and very like-minded were drew to her. (laughs) Drawn. Drawn. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Don't worry. (laughs) that is so cool i just wish that i drew in the kind of clients i wanted but then it's like you have to know your demographic from the get-go and a Mm -hmm. lot of us are just like putting it out there and we're like i just want to be an escort and it's like what kind of escort do you want to be and you're like oh god yes i think that's actually very important point to make because i think when i got in this industry and when a lot of people joined this industry the first thing they do is post a sexy picture and they say, okay, I'm an escort. Let's go. And then you get everything and you're like, I don't want the whole rainbow. I just want blue. That's it. How do you know (laughs) what color you want? Like I'm very particular. I like meeting with businessmen. I like meeting with ambitious, hungry, particularly self-employed. Do you guys go get dinner because he's hungry? Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're, we're both people that are passionate and driven and, I like meeting people that are similarly like-minded to me because it just works and we have a lot to talk about. And, you know, I had a date with a gentleman last week who I've been seeing now for over a year and we saw each other for 24 hours. And like most of our dates, we did not run out of stuff to talk about. That's the best. And he comments on it and I comment on it. We both find it absolutely amazing that we've seen each other eight, nine times now and we still do not run out of things to talk about. That is the dream. That is living the dream. But that's a client that... I I love as a person and I really relate to and I don't want just any client. I don't want someone that's going to pay my rate and then move right. along. I want someone that I can connect with and build a relationship with. Get something out of it or there's no point. There has to be a mutual uh, relationship there. Right. Right. It's a friendship. 
See, there's I can't like I don't hear anything that makes me like want to stigmatize you. Like I don't even <laughs> hear like a little bit of one thing that's like, oh my god, what is she doing? It's like that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, it's you're forming little mini relationships, right. and that's kind of how I phrase it to people just who I don't know. Disseminating love and like no offense, orgasms. Like isn't that like that's it? And I say to people, life? it's I'm their girlfriend for the day. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right. And they're usually nervous when they meet you, and it's just about getting It's like a blind date. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite thing about being a sex worker out of all the different options there? Favorite thing? I think it's being my own boss. And just the freedom? It's the freedom. And I think that, you know, that's probably not uh, inclusive to being a sex worker. That could be any sort of entrepreneurial um, business. But for me in particular, it's, it's the freedoms. I like knowing that I can design my own schedule. And, um, as an introvert, I know that I can only see so many clients a week and work so many hours a week and therefore I'll burn out so I can customize and critically design my schedule around that. And I know I want to have time for the week to go to the gym and to walk my dogs. And therefore I create a life that supports that versus any other nine to five or corporate job or real estate or finance or accounting role. You don't have that flexibility. You can't just you know, get a long lunch because you feel like it. Yeah. Right. That is unique. But a second side effect is, um, like I said, the relationships, I find it so incredibly fulfilling meeting these people and connecting on a one-on-one level and sharing commonalities and interests. And it's, it's very personally fulfilling to me and hopefully them, these one-on-one relationships that we're building people are getting less and less social with all this technology. Mm-hmm. And in some way, like escorts mm-hmm. are the ones bridging those gaps. hundred percent. And so it's kind of like 100%. globalization has enabled us to be independent. Yeah. And it's also enabling us to get more clients because it's isolating people. Like it it's, is. People are not lonely. Lost on me. People are lonely. And it's funny when I'm with a client, I've, I've noticed this lately. Neither one of us look at our phones. We're so engulfed. Or if I do, I feel mm-hmm. so bad. Like if the phone's ringing, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It happens. I don't think it's I life. would do that on like a normal date, but like oh. I respect the time so much. When it's a client, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Absolutely. But you're so engulfed in each other. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing is you're so engulfed in each other's conversation and presence and bodies that you can't even be bothered to wonder what your inbox looks like. And I think that's the benefit that clients get out of it. Yeah. It's a little mini vacation. Actual me time with someone else that mm-hmm. cares. They don't give a shit what's going on at the office right Undivided now. Undivided attention. Mm-hmm. Works both ways. Um, so considering all this freedom and happiness, <laughs> do you have a retirement date in mind? Do you have an assigned time to quit once you reach a certain goal or a certain age? Like, how do you forecast that? You know what? No, I don't actually. Um, when I got into this business, I thought, oh, well, I'll do it for, you know, a year, maybe two years back. And then I'll go back to, you know, real world. But uh, no, I, I'm going to keep doing this for as long as I'm enjoying it, as long as it's lucrative, and as long as it works for me. And if that happens to be five years, 10 years, 30 years, so be it. Yeah. I think that I might eventually want to launch other side businesses just out of my own sheer curiosity. Your adrenaline junkiness. Yeah, just yeah, on my this own. Will start to be like just a for fun. Not fun enough because mm-hmm. you'll need that extra new thing. Exactly. That. But I think it's a it's a beautiful position to be in where you can launch side projects for the fun of it. Oh my god! Not so nice. because you hate your line of work and you have to leave. And that's why you know I'm so uh, grateful for this industry is because how many businesses can you do that? Right. Right. 
it takes a long time. It just takes so many years. Mm-hmm. This is not instant. You still have to put the time in, but it's easier to to attain those goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, I just love asking people this. What's your current favorite book or favorite book ever? One you always recommend or give people. I just finished a book called Fed Up. Uh, I think the author's name is Gemma Hartley. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but there was an article kind of surfacing um, the interwebs um, maybe six weeks or so ago. And it was about emotional labor and women's role in it and kind of defining the term emotional labor and what that means and how to harness it. Okay. Um, The article was about um, her herself as a woman and how she wanted uh, a maid or housekeeping service for Mother's Day. And... You know, that was what she wanted. She didn't want to have to worry about calling the maid. She'd want to have to price check and managing schedules and organizing all of it and setting it all up. She wanted her husband to do that for her for Mother's Day. Reasonable. Yeah. And it wasn't the act of the clean house. It was the fact that he had done the legwork to set it up. And Mother's Day came and went. And her husband found it too difficult to... Are you serious? ...organize all this. So he cleaned the house. Oh, that's She's pissed because she didn't actually want the clean house. She wanted the task of she finding a housekeeper right. done. It was the emotional labor of setting up I the service. I completely understand that lack you of satisfaction. Do. Oh, God. So she wrote a book about this, and I just finished it. It was fabulous. And she actually talks about how um, this whole phenomenon of emotional labor and what it means and how it translates to different industries. And she talks hmm. a lot exclusively about flight attendants, but how they have to be emotionally on oh, and available wow, and make yeah. everyone comfortable. And she talks about sex workers. And there's this huge chapter on how sex workers... Have oh, I love that shout out. I know. And I did not expect that. And there's a huge uh, paragraph on how we've cultivated a career in an industry out of the need of emotional labor. That's what we sell. That is the best way to define it. I have never thought about it like that, but that is like... It was a fantastic point. book. And it talks about how like it can be the source of most women's burnout. It talks about emotional labor and how it might manifest in marriage, but... Um, essentially the point is to how to use this skill throughout your everyday life and become more successful. And, you know, I think any woman knows that this is a thing. Every woman. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> emotional, emotional tools or work that isn't actual work, like mm-hmm. manual work isn't considered work. So people dismiss it and then mm-hmm. never address it. And it's like, what is this growing, like slow rage in mm-hmm. me? It's that emotional part we keep dismissing. It's emotional work. Literally nurses do it. I mean, it's not the act of changing bedpans. I mean, we're and doing it right now. Like I'm tired. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but that's it is it's, it's this form of work that goes largely unacknowledged. So oh, that I, that, that's my favorite book right now. I've been telling everybody about it. I'm going to it. read that. Every Fed up. Book. It's called. Do you think, th- is that going to be a top 10 now forever? I think so. That's I might so, read it again. It sounds phenomenal. Oh, readers reread. <laughs> the feminist to me loved it. Oh, please reread. <laughs> uh, oh, which song is your anthem? Not as a companion, <gasps> but just Ooh. as you. Oh, my clients are going to laugh at me when they hear this. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of a 60 year old man at heart. Oh, please tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> my clients will know as soon as they, they hear this answer. <laughs> so... I listen to a lot of music that um, my friends' dads might listen to. So my favorite song of all time is Freebird by Leonard Skinner. Oh, I know that song. See, thank you. Most of my girlfriends go, who? 
god, no! I'm like, I love Frank Sinatra too, but that's yeah. like classic. I like classic rock. Leonard Skinner like is good. I also Southern like country a little rock. bit, like you. Mm-hmm. It's probably where I'm from. But yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, Madison likes country. I do. I love it. Okay, who's your biggest companion crush at the moment? I love this girl power vibe of just being like, oh, I love her. She's so cute. Oh my gosh. Locally, you don't fangirl over. Anyone? I do. I f- I'm just trying to pick one. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, right? Locally or internationally? Anywhere. Oh my gosh. Um, God. Well, I mean, locally, like obviously, my girlfriends, like Ella Black and Naomi Nixon, are just. I'm so crushing on them right now because they're fabulous people. Oh, Ella just just showed her. She face. did. Ooh, I really she's, like that. She's freaking gorgeous, and I told her I'm so happy that she did this because. You know, she's just beautiful. I can feel the empowerment from like my living room. I'm like, ooh, you go, girl. <laughs> also, I mean, there's other girls internationally like um, Brea. I really respect her work and her um, she's content. She's beautiful. So much content. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Oh my, those dates too. Like, oh shit. Uh, Claire Cavendish in uh, the UK. I'm really fond of her as well. Um, and there's a bunch of girls in like Barcelona and um, all over Spain that I'm crushing on right now. And it's just shout them out. The, there's like, just too. Be so happy. Oh, there's too many. I just <laughs> I couldn't even pick one if I wanted to because here's the thing: this whole business is full of ambitious, beautiful. I'm, every single one I look at, I'm like, I'm never gonna get hired again because like she's so I amazing. Know. Like, why would you ever hire I me instead know. of that? Like, I think the same thing. God, she's so pretty. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, yeah. is there? Anything else you want to tell all the other escorts out there listening? I think that um, for people who are trying to get into this line of work, I think it's something that you want to really um, sit down and have an honest conversation with yourself about. I get a lot do of you look, do you look in the mirror? Do you record yourself? Oh yeah. <laughs> my hair back you know you because <laughs> uh, the reason why i say that is because i get i get a ton of emails from girls being like hi like i follow mm. you on twitter oh, i gotcha i'm not in the business yet but i want to be and i think that there's this huge misconception that um escorting is this incredibly luxurious you know um oh god the glorification is oh it's so luxury and we all own louboutins and and obviously that's a loaded subject, but I think um, we might, but just one pair. <laughs> yeah, I know that we got used on Craigslist or something. But, <laughs> but I think that the thing is with this line of work is it's so multifaceted is one month you might not be able to pay your rent and the next month you might be saving for a new car. So it's so um, multifaceted and vast and you're not sure where you're going to end up on it. And I think that it takes a very specific kind of individual to do sex work. You have to, like you said, have a thick skin. Or you have to have a thick skin. It's going to eat you. You have to be incredibly self-motivated. You have to be creative. And I think that you have to be disciplined. And I think it's too easy to sleep in and hang out with your friends and, you know, not be producing and creating and working. And It's very hard. It's still hard. It's never going to get easier, but you just no. got to want... To you, be healthy, yeah. you have to be the kind of person that is self-motivated and is happy to um, work on your business by yourself and constantly be thinking of new ideas and new content. And It sounds exhausting. That sounds like work. It is exhausting because it is work. Oh, it's and work? I think that there's a lot of women that'll get into this business because they think it's fast cash and they think that right. it takes no special skills, but that's not the case. And I think that if it's something you are interested in, you need to have a, a long, honest conversation with yourself about your strengths and your weaknesses and whether or not they're well-suited to this business. 
That is very good advice. I hope so. That's very sage advice. Gosh, I'm talking out of my ass right you now. You are so, so sure. wise. <laughs> I am Hoda. Oh my gosh. Well, I just want to thank you so much for, first off, taking the time out to do this. Secondly, being candid about it. And thirdly, just being yourself. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we got to got a chance to put this project together. Ah. Oh. Well, hopefully it helps anyone else listening that was confused and wanted to be enlightened and educated. <laughs> I hope so, too. I mean, it, all we can do is yeah, give, let everyone give their story and maybe all together it'll make sense. But none of us can talk on behalf of everyone else. It's really got to just be, here's mine. I don't know what you think of it. That's about it. And everybody's stories is going to be so different. Right. Mm-hmm. And also very similar. <laughs> That's wise. Thank you to everyone for listening. I have attached Madison's website and Twitter handle in the show notes in case you'd like to check her out or start following her yourself. Please leave a rating on whichever platform you use to listen to this podcast so more people can find the show. Stay tuned for next week when I discuss mental health with a lovely young woman who has chosen to remain anonymous so as to be fully candid. Wishing you all a splendid start to the week in the meantime. Till then. Stay curious.